the goal down to our left as Marner brings it in over the line with Matthews. And Matthews shot is stopped by Smith. Oh my! It looked like it might have been over in a big hurry. Oilers back the other way with McDavid. McDavid in for Grice and load of Nurse and they score! Darnell Nurse gets the winner for the Oilers. And so it was over in a hurry. Miss at one end, goal at the other. Boy, you never see that. 3-2, Edmonton wins over the Leafs in overtime. Jim Taddy, Kristen Schulten, and Jimmy Ralph with you. This is the Ontario Subaru Dealers postgame show. There's nothing like spring showers to remind you about Subaru's all-weather drive event. On now at your local Subaru dealer. Shop safely. Book your appointment to adventure on. 3-2, Ralphie, that was one evenly played game and hard fought by both ends, wasn't it? Yeah, and it really was one of those games that I thought the way the Leafs came out, despite giving up the first goal, uh, they had enough opportunities in the first period to maybe blow it open. Uh, it didn't happen. Uh, they missed the net a number of times, hit some crossbars. Mike Smith was great. And uh, then I thought as the game went on, uh, the Oilers got better, and much like Saturday night, they were the better team in the second period. And um, even though... Both Edmonton goals in regulation were fortunate bounces. The one that got past Brody with the uh, the breakaway goal by Archibald and then the one that carries in off uh, Tourists were fortunate bounces. But I'm sure if you're the Oilers, you say, how about the bounces Saturday night when the Leafs got four of them uh, on way to a victory? So uh, you're right. I think by the time it was done, you say it was fairly evenly matched. Though the Leafs still outshot the Oilers 31-23. So I think what you like from a Leafs standpoint, back-to-back games... Uh, it was 20 shots against Saturday, only 23 tonight, and three out of four points. Well, there's a lot you could unpack in, in this one, but you mentioned Brody, and he's become one of those players that, at least from the reaction he gets uh, on social media, it's it's a real roller coaster. What did you think of uh, his game tonight overall? Well, I thought he was fine. I mean, the you know, he makes that decision to try to kick in a bouncing puck and, and keep it in, and, uh, you know, you lose on it. But I think for the most part, he's... Uh, he's not going to get the accolades that Morgan Riley does because he's pretty much the guy that's going to back Riley up. So uh, I think you saw him on Saturday night jump up in the play a couple of times, uh, and it almost surprised you, saying because you know you seldom see him do it. Uh, I know he had a great chance in the second period Saturday jumping up between the hash marks. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's one of those guys. He's highly skilled. Uh, he's strong defensively. Uh, but when it comes to the um, you know the highlight plays, more than anything, I think you've got uh, uh, Morgan Riley is going to get more praise and and everything else uh, by the time the game's over. Ralphie, let's talk about the goalies, all three of them. Uh, what was your take on Hutch tonight and and uh, the the Campbell situation? Uh, could you see any sign in in the game that the last game he played that he was having some issue? Um, I'm sorry, Jim, with, with Campbell? Yeah, in, in the last game. Yeah, yeah. I know there was, um, I saw a highlight that, that showed he, he made one move to his left and seemed to favor a little bit when he got up, but uh, I didn't really see, you know, anything that would uh, lead you to believe that he was laboring or anything like that. Okay, and Hutch tonight? Um, you know, I thought he was okay. I thought... Um, you know, he did make some big saves, especially in the second period. Um, you know, the first one, I think any time now a goaltender gives up a goal five-hole, um, you know, even on a breakaway, it's, it's considered one that you should have had. And uh, I'm sure he would have liked to have that back. But, you know, he did make some saves in the second period. Again, the Leafs, you know, his, his last few starts, 
Um, I know he, he got taken out on three shots and two goals in his last start in Ottawa, um, but they haven't exactly filled the net for him at the other end of the ice either. I know they got 7-1 game against Ottawa, uh, but other than that, uh, you remember he played the, the back-to-back games against Calgary, and they scored, uh, what was it, one regulation goal in two games for him, uh, and he had to be great. So it, uh, I, I thought he was solid. Uh, nothing you can do in the tourist goal. Um, again, you know, you might say you want a big save there like Smith uh, had off Mikheyev. I mean, the game was 2-1 when he stones Mikheyev on uh, the 2-1-1. And then, uh, yeah. you know, makes the big save off Austin Matthews in overtime. And that's that's sometimes that slight difference between a guy that's, you know, considered to be the, the guy that's going to carry you like Mike Smith at one end as opposed to Michael Hutchinson, who was solid. I don't think there was anything horrible against that you said that was a turning point in the game. But um, Mike Smith, again, was was just a little bit better. Well, let's talk about the power play because it just seems to get worse. Uh, it, it not Well, actually, Saturday wasn't too bad, but tonight it just seemed really, really like it was struggling. What do you think if there was one issue to boil down about the power play right now for the Leafs, 1-23, in 23, I think, in their last 11 games? What is yeah. it? Well, I, I mean, the funny thing is, Kristen, through all this this stretch, I think they're averaging less than two power plays a game. Yes, that's and, true. Uh, so may, maybe it's practice, <laughs> you know, where uh, <laughs> they, they, it, it seems like they, they, they don't seem to get into a flow. And I know mm-hmm. you saw this time it was uh, uh, John Tavares came out. Um, they still use Wayne Simmons in front, but, uh, you know, they, they tried to work it that way to have a little more skill up front. But... It uh, it almost appears to be that there's this hesitancy now, uh, th- that everybody's got the puck and they're looking for a better play instead of just throwing it to the net. And uh, one of the things we're not seeing is Austin Matthews get a lot of opportunities from the circle. A lot of times it looks like he's getting the puck and then he's going to wait and then circle back to the boards. And, um, you know, I, I think you get to the point where you can be a little too patient or try to be a little too creative. Uh, and it starts to wear on you. Pat Quinn always used to call it trying to pass the puck into the net. And I think that's what we're finding where, uh, you know, when the power play is going well, a lot of times it's just, you know, get that double screen with Tavares high and uh, Simmons in front and uh, and score the ugly ones. They all look like skilled goals in the score sheet the next day. But um, probably just the, uh, the mentality to shoot more. And uh, it's easy to say when you have somebody like Mitch Marner that likes to create more. So, Ralphie, the nine-game set with Edmonton is done, and this is the high-water mark of the season for the Leafs, no question about it. By the end of the year, we might be talking about the 10 with Winnipeg, but but what is it with the Oilers that, that draws the best out of the Leafs? I'm not sure what it is. I mean, you saw, I mean, really, when you look at the last five games down, you know, including the three-game sweep that the Leafs had in Edmonton, um, they really had one horrible period. You know, out of those uh, 15 periods, and that was the second period Saturday night, you know, where they they gave up three yeah. goals. I mean, here's a game where uh, Drysettle doesn't get on the score sheet. McDavid's off the score sheet until overtime. And, um, you know, it, it just seems that Jake Muzzin did a great job battling McDavid most of the night. Uh, they, they really seem to be able to take away that time and space, as they said. Although, I know during the uh, the first period, uh, McDavid had a one-on-four rush, and uh, I said to Joe in the, uh, after the whistle, I said my first reaction was, where's our other guy? <laughs> you know, because you've seen it so often <laughs> where McDavid can go through everybody. But, it, uh, you know, they just they seem to be uh, physical with McDavid and Dreisaitl, although I, I think you saw in this game as well, 
where the Oilers were a lot more physical with uh, with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And when you look at Alex Galchenyuk in his game, what is it do you think that has allowed him to, you know, it, it seems like a Galchenyuk that we haven't seen in this league recently at least. Why do you think he's clicked so well with uh, with Tavares and Nylander? I think it's just the style. And at least, and you know, he played a couple more minutes, uh, you know, tonight than he did on Saturday night. Uh, there's that Hyman-like quality about him. Um, you know, and he had another opportunity where he made a, a great drop pass. Uh, I believe it was to Tavares again, um, you know, where he got the line and dropped the, the puck. And, and to be honest, you know, when you don't see a guy on a regular basis, you sort of make assumptions about their game. Uh, I don't remember him being uh, as hard a worker as we've seen on a regular basis. But he looks like a guy that... Um, is realizing this might be his last kick at, at playing in the National Hockey League as he's bounced around from a few teams, and uh, for me, he's he's you know playing his uh, playing his heart out uh, as if to say I've got this opportunity. I'm playing with skilled guys, and and I can't let it go. Ralphie, has your uh, wish list for the Leafs at the trade deadline been altered in any way, shape, or form over the last three or four games? Well, when when there was talk, you know, whether it was Granlin uh, from Nashville or or bringing in, I, I know even Stahl's name came up uh, before he went to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I, I mean, my feeling was, and this isn't, I guess it is after the fact for a lot of people. I remember thinking, you've, you've still got to see what Kilgenia can do in a top six role, and I still don't know if 10 minutes or 12 minutes a game is, is really uh, a full-fledged uh, opportunity in the top six. But... Uh, you know, you might already have somebody rather than, you know, take a flyer on somebody that uh, that is going to come in and uh, has to wait a week and quarantine if it's an American team that you deal with. Um, you know, I'm, I think maybe a little more depth on defense. I think you lose one of your top six right now. Um, you might uh, be a little worried or have uh, some concerns there. So um, that's always easy to say. I think just about every team in the league, uh, looks for more scoring and depth on defense when it comes to the trade deadline, and, and the Leafs are probably no different. Well, now that uh, Toronto, they're going to have to switch gears and, and start playing a Winnipeg team that they have had much less success against overall than Edmonton. What can they carry over from this season series into what's going to be a lot of games against Winnipeg in the next month? I, I think play it a lot like um, you have against Edmonton now. I, I think Winnipeg's more dangerous because they've got two lines that could really hurt you, you know, much like Toronto. Uh, but but I think what I really saw, Kristen, in the, uh, the three-game series they had against Winnipeg here at home, um, the Leafs were very loose. There were a lot of bad pinches, a lot of odd man rushes that uh, the Jets made them pay on. So I think it's more, you know, get back to that, uh, uh, shut things down in the center of the ice and, and let your skilled guys, you know, outplay their skilled guys and, Hopefully the Leafs have some goaltending back by, uh, and, and, that, and that's not a shot at Michael Hutchinson, but uh, at least the option to go back to Jack Campbell uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, go back to Galchenyuk for a second. Do you find that with him on the line, Tavares actually looks better? Yeah, and, and you know what? I think Nylander's been good of late as well, and not just the games that he's uh, he's found the back of the net. He seems to be a lot more engaged in the one-on-one battles, but uh, you're right. There seems to be with Tavares that... Uh, where he's so good, the the stick handling, you know, in tight quarters and, and being able to make that 10-foot pass to somebody in the slot. It looks like that creativity and that uh, that intensity is back for Tavares, which is certainly 
um, you know, much needed for the Leafs. But we, we pointed out during the game, you start looking at the ice time, um, you know, between the first line and the second line, and it's incredible. And, and that's where you almost step back and say, okay, maybe we should alter what our expectations are point-wise from Tavares and Nylander. I think uh, Marner played 10 minutes more than uh, Nylander did on Saturday night, and yet uh, at the end of it, Nylander was one of the heroes. <laughs> it was part of the comeback. Uh, with Tavares. I mean, that that's considerable when uh, you see that big drop. And, and for the most part, they haven't been on the uh, the number one power play, so they might get 15 to 30 seconds at the end of something. So it's um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, the better play of Tavares and Nylander, maybe even Gelchenia, gets them a little more bonus time in the power play or, uh, bet, you know, more time five on five. Ralphie, thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll text you when I get home. All right. Yes, okay, thank you. I'll be waiting. Last time you stiffed me, I stayed up all night. Edmonton 3-2 over the Leafs in overtime. Just before we break, Kristen, I mean, I mean, you just had the feeling that the Leafs with the 2-1 lead needed a little more on the scoreboard. And not to take anything away from Edmonton, it was a game that could have gone either way, but I just thought they needed a little more to play with. How about you? Absolutely. It was. You felt it really from the time that they went up 2-1 and especially when uh, I thought in, in the second period where you felt more of that pushback from Edmonton and you get into the third period and, and the Leafs don't get anything really going there on their power play chance and it just felt like this is the direction that it's going because it was a, a pretty even game throughout as we just talked about with Jim. I mean, uh, it, the goaltending... You, you know, and not to take any, you know, not to, to say that Hutchinson was bad, but in the end, it was one save. Like, Mike Smith makes that big save uh, on Matthews. He made uh, a couple other big saves in the third, uh, and then that's what it comes down to, is it's just, it's a timely save, and you really feel against these top-tier offensive teams that you just can't ever stop trying to score goals. You just can't ever think, you know, hey, we're up, and this is going to carry us through. Look at what happened to Edmonton two nights ago. They probably thought that their lead was perfect, you know, not perfectly safe, but they thought, hey, we've got a little cushion. We have some insurance with a multi-goal lead, and you see how quickly that can disappear. So uh, definitely uh, you could feel the momentum maybe shifting away from the Leafs even before uh, that Kyle Turris goal. And uh, this, you know, overtime is it's anyone's game, right? It's it's just it's who yeah. can get to who can get that, that perfect shot off, and you have to give credit, I think, where credit's due because that was a, a nice play from McDavid to Nurse, and Nurse uh, did not miss. Yeah, top-light players. So, you know, the, the Stars uh, for one team decided it, and at the other end, the Stars for the Leafs almost decided it. So that's why we're talking about a 3-2 Oilers win over the Leafs in overtime. This is Leafs game night, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the TSN and iHeart radio apps and the Leafs radio network. And the Leafs defend the goal down to our left as Marner brings it in over the line with Matthews. And Matthews shot is stopped by Smith. Oh, my. It looked like it might have been over in a big hurry. Oilers back the other way with McDavid. McDavid in for Christ. A load of Nurse and they score. Darnell Nurse gets the winner for the Oilers. And it happened 17 seconds into the overtime period. That's the TSN turning point brought to you by Hockey Helps the Homeless. Assist them in their goal to shut out homelessness by texting hockey to 20222 to donate. Because hockey tournament or not, the cost is bigger than the game. It's too bad it happened at 17 seconds. I was uh, 
Bassett did for another three minutes of excellent hockey. Didn't really care about the shootout, but I mean that's the nature of these two teams. They've got top end talent, and and anything can happen. And so it goes into the books, Kristen, as a six two and one record for the Leafs in nine games. That is really impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's especially against the, as you mentioned the top tier talent that Edmonton has, and. Uh, I think we'll be referencing the Leafs' uh, three-game sweep of them out west uh, throughout the rest of the season into playoffs, especially if these teams end up meeting each other in the playoffs because that was, uh, you know, absolutely their most impressive stretch of the season without question was how they played in those games. And and you even saw it uh, on Saturday, just how much better the Leafs played defensively than they had in the previous games. You saw tonight again how crisp and... Uh, really cleanly they can uh, get out of their own zone when they are really focused in on it and if they could just bottle that feeling they get when they play Edmonton or that feeling they have in the preparation or um, whatever the mindset is when they go up against the Oilers they just need to find a way to carry that with them throughout the rest of this season Uh, especially because you look at their schedule it's a it's a lot of games coming up in April and it's a lot of games against Winnipeg and as Jimmy Ralph mentioned the Winnipeg is actually almost more dangerous, uh, despite, you know, it's it's not just two players you have to think about. There's there's really two lines there that can be really, really dangerous. And they have already, I think the Leafs are 2-2 two and two against Winnipeg this year so far, and it's just a tougher game for them. But this should be good prep because, you know, it's one thing to shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's impressive enough. Not that they completely did, but uh, if you're able to corral them, at least it's impressive. But now you're going to go into Winnipeg. You've got a couple games there. You've got a bunch more games against them at the end of next month. Uh, and you're going to really need to channel that energy uh, if you want to stay at the top of the North Division and, and you want to have a bit of a controlling interest to in how things play out come playoff time. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Winnipeg obviously doesn't have the top-end talent, but their lineup's a lot more even. Uh, the defense may be exploitable, but the goalie can make up for that. But they've got a collection of wingers that uh, create their own space, and, and that might be a problem. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing when we talk about, even like compared to the Leafs, where we talk about their their top four, let's say, when we, we the big four in Matthews, Marner, Nylander and, and Tavares, it, it's one thing to have that. But you've seen games where when those guys don't score, there's not enough depth to make up for the fact that they're not performing. And that's where Edmonton can get caught as well, right? Is when McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't, yeah. aren't rolling, aren't going, you, they're a beatable team. The Leafs don't want to be that way against Winnipeg because Winnipeg has so many players that can, as you say, that can create space, that give them great offensive depth. And so when you're going up against a deep team, it can actually be really more intimidating than even going up against the big stars because you can focus in and you can slow down Matthews and Marner. And then if there's not guys right behind them that can be equally effective, it's going to be a long night for you. So that's where I think the challenge comes in for both Winnipeg and Toronto in the the series that they have coming up. But from a Leafs perspective, you'd really want to look at what you did well uh, against Edmonton, especially um, those earlier games, and even in the game on Saturday, even tonight, uh, too, and and just find ways that you can apply that to what hasn't worked against Winnipeg and figure out how you want to kind of break them down a little bit more uh, so that you can have the same success against another really good team that could very well continue to challenge you for the top spot in this division uh, the rest of the way. 
Oh, yeah, and six games against the Jets between now and the end of the season, that's a real measuring stick, to say the least. And, you know, this, at least this time when the Leafs go at them, they're, they're at full strength, and it'll, it'll be nice to see what, with everybody healthy what that means. Yeah, it's going to be different in, in the sense that, you know, a lot of, obviously, the Leafs games against Edmonton have come in sort of the first half of the year where guys are still getting things figured out. You're still trying to, you know, piece together what is our best lineup, where are guys at their best uh you know how how do you want to sort of create an identity for your team and now we're into the second half of the season and that's where teams are more established they have a, a better sense of who they are and that makes you a lot of the time tougher to play against and so this is almost a bigger test for the Leafs to see Winnipeg this often at what should be essentially the prime of their regular season because you're you're playing into the postseason at this point. You're you're ramping up, especially when you get to these games at the end of April. That's your runway into the playoffs. That's when you need to be at your best. You need to have things figured out. And uh, it's going to be a real measuring stick, I think, for Toronto to to see where they're at. You know, just look at these first two games coming up and then even measure that against the games at the end of the month because the goaltending is a question. You don't know how much of Hutchinson, how much of Campbell you're going to see and when we're going to get uh, another look at Frederick Anderson whenever uh, he his situation is figured out. So there's some question marks, some important ones for the Leafs. Their power play also is going to need to get figured out here sooner rather than later uh, if they expect to uh, continue to challenge the best teams in this league. But it's going to be a, an interesting stretch, and I think it'll tell us a lot about the Leafs how they uh, perform over these next two games. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we've got six against Winnipeg with the Leafs and six with Montreal uh, with the Leafs. And I'm just wondering, when we're talking, when we do that last game, uh, well, it's not the last game now because the Leafs-Ottawa game will be the last one that's got moved to May 10th. But when we're doing that Montreal game on, on May 8th, I wonder if we're looking back, talking about the Habs series, the Jets series, or the Oilers series that, that define who the Leafs are. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it seems like it's tracking that the Leafs could very well be seeing the Habs uh, in the postseason as well, maybe to start things off if, if everything is, is homeostasis the rest of the way, or if it ends up that way at least. Uh, and, and that could, you know, imagine playing, I think they play, what, like three or two or three times, like right at the end of the season. Imagine playing those games and then going right into a postseason series against them. That would never happen in a normal regular season. You wouldn't see Boston like three times in five games to end the year and then, oh, hey, now you're getting a seven-game series. So it could it could end up playing uh, out that way as well. But ultimately, I think when we're talking about the Leaf season, we're reflecting on it uh, in six weeks, you're definitely going to bring up the Oilers series. You're definitely going to bring up the Winnipeg series. And you're going to look at those two and say, what did the Leafs do well and what didn't they do well against one team that has a top line better or as good as any in the NHL and a team that is probably its top six could rival any uh, in, in the NHL in terms of how uh, how effective it is. So there's, uh, there's definitely different challenges there. And then you look at Connor Hellebuck for the Jets as well, who is so good. And even Brassois has been pretty good too. So there's, <laughs> they've give, both given the Leafs some trouble already this season. So you're you're going to be defined in a different way as a team in a year like this because you have so few opponents to play, and every game matters so much. You look at the last two nights, Edmonton and Toronto both. You, you look at their wins and say, well, you gave the other team a point because Edmonton couldn't close out Toronto, and then Toronto couldn't close out Edmonton. So in the end, it it 
there's going to be such a, I think, a, a bottleneck probably between the three teams, between um, uh, between Winnipeg, Toronto, and Edmonton at the top of the standings. But the Leafs need to be very cognizant of how many more of these games that they can't close in regulation because certainly it's been a while since they were able to string together a couple of those wins or those types of wins and giving away points to these other teams at the top of the standings that can really come back to bite them in the end too yeah just uh, for some housekeeping the leafs uh, their last four games are three in a row against montreal and then the ottawa game got moved to uh, may 10th because of uh, the montreal covid problems so montreal and ottawa had to switch around so but the bottom line is they, they finish off three straight games against montreal and then and then go to ottawa uh, so i mean those three games against montreal could be huge and i like your point uh, that you said about uh, the winnipeg and, and hellebuck I, I mean really you know this this goaltending thing is is okay for now but but campbell and anderson have to be healthy because if you go into a series as we all know with with montreal or, or winnipeg at least those two teams you better have the better goalie otherwise you're gonna have a problem well it's it, the, the weird thing about the the goalie you know issue in toronto is that it just doesn't it'd be one thing if it was clear cut like oh anderson was hurt on x day he's going to be out for x amount of time and then it's it's over and the, or the same thing with campbell campbell was injured this day he will be back you know, at this point, and everything carries on, but it's it's so strange, the parallel, not that they're the same situation, but the parallels with two players who were hurt, didn't have to have surgery, or didn't, you know, it wasn't like an extensive, extensive layoff, they were skating pretty quickly, but just it was like managing the injuries, and they come back, they play, and then now they still aren't right, there's still something that's off, and it's both of them at the same time that this is happening too. And with Anderson especially, I mean, you need him healthy for the postseason. Like, whatever you have to do, yeah, you have to make the playoffs, obviously, but you need Anderson. And Jack Campbell is, is, a, is a good goalie in his own right, but he's not used to the pressure. He's not used to playing every other night. He, he just doesn't know necessarily how to do that because he's never had to. And Anderson knows. And the Leafs need Anderson to recover fully and it begs the question why was he back in if this issue was so you know problematic that it, it affected him you know basically every single game except for his first one back the the final uh the final game in edmonton and at the beginning of the month it just there's so many questions that i think we rightfully have about the situation with anderson and it doesn't seem like sheldon keith has any answers at this point about what that situation looks like and is is anderson even going on this road trip we don't even know yet so uh it, there's a lot of questions there and and they need two healthy goalies and they need those two goalies to be frederick anderson and jack campbell no disrespect to michael hutchinson but if they want to go a long way those are the guys they need well and, and you know the fact that uh uh campbell or, or freddie doesn't even back up like they're, they're just they're gone so I mean, both those injuries, again, we don't know exactly what they are, but they sort of track the same way in that it appears that they can't get any worse except for if you overplay them, and then it then it becomes a problem. How many times has Sheldon Keefe said about managing the situation? So, uh, I mean, you would like to answer that by saying, why don't you just shut the guy down for three weeks? But, but that could create, because there's two of them, that could create another problem, and you sure don't want to hit that trade deadline looking for a goalie because the price for that is pretty high. Yeah, and, and it's so hard to tell if they're just being cautious, if 
you know, I think that most players would tell you at this point in the season, like they've got some bumps and bruises. They don't feel great every single practice or every single game. You got to battle through it sometimes and, and just, you know, get, get past the, the pain of it all. I mean, uh, you know, not in a dangerous way, but it's like Austin Matthews said, you get out on the ice and, and things just, you know, if you are cleared to play medically, then you just, you, you just go and you play. And, uh, and it's, it's obviously important for players to be vocal if they feel like something's off and, and they feel like they, uh, they can't perform at their best, but it's, it's like, what is the nature of, of these lingering problems and, and how, how can they be managed, but without, you know, taking, can you just shut the players down? Is that what they need? Do they need two months of rest? Do they need two weeks of rest? And and what does that sort of leave the Leafs with? And and I think it's, it seems like these are difficult injuries in the sense that they're not clear-cut. At least with Wayne Simmons, it's like, hey, you, you break your wrist, you know how to fix that. Like, you, you have surgery, yep. you rest it, and then you, you're back at it. But if you have a, a, a pull of some kind, you have a strain, I mean, I think any, you know, any casual athlete, like a runner, who will, who will tell you, wow, you know, like I get the worst hip pain at certain times in a run, and that's just like the average person, and you just have to learn to manage it because there's no outright fix. You just have to figure out the remedy for yourself, and maybe that's the situation they're in where they're trying different things that might help manage these injuries where there just isn't, you know, you need a whole summer off. You need an off season, and you don't have one right now. So, uh, again, we're speculating only on the on the what the potential path could be to these goalies coming back when it doesn't seem like there's there the injuries are so bad that they require them being shut down completely, but yet they are still preventing them from being at their best. So it's it's a bit of a gray area. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it tracks like muscle or soft tissue of some sort. Yeah. Not saying it's exactly the same for either one. Edmonton wins 3-2 in overtime over the Leafs. When we come back, we'll have post-game sound. This is Leafs Game Night, TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network. And then played up on the wing for Hyman. Hyman now for Marner going to the net. He's in a goal. He scores! Mitch Marner on a pass from Zach Hyman. Cut to the middle and ties this game at one. Way back in the first period, a buck 44 after Archibald had staked the orders to a one nothing lead. Marner tied it at one. Matthews scored shortly thereafter, 3.09 later, and it was 2-1 for the Leafs, and it stayed that way for the longest time. Jim Taddy, Kristen Shilton with you. The relevance of that is Marner and Matthews scoring in the, in the same game doesn't happen often lately, does it? No, I think it's been like seven games since that's uh, that's happened, and we know that Matthews has been struggling a bit to uh, to not hit the post and to not have goalies make incredible saves on him when he's wide open. Uh, the he's, the one that he had tonight when he was right alone in the slot and uh, the puck just sailed high on him, and that's usually a, a shot that he would make every time. So, uh, not too surprising, but at the same time, it just shows you how how quickly things can change. Over the course of a season, you think about the beginning of the year, and it, it felt like you know Matthews, just the way that he was uh, able to command the puck, and Marner always looking you know to be that that great setup guy, and he usually succeeds. So it's uh, it, it's the ebbs and flows. But the the one thing about you know when you're on sort of a down and when you're in a valley is that there's usually a peak coming up, and if there was ever a time for those two to start getting on the same page and uh, and peaking, so to speak. Uh, in terms of uh, being able to produce uh, simultaneously, it would probably be this very busy stretch coming up 
that the Leafs have through April, there's going they're going to need a lot of goals, and their goaltender is probably going to need a lot of help. Uh, so this is sort of the time to uh, to get rolling again. And I like Hyman on that line. I don't know about you, Jim, but I don't think there needs yeah. to be a lot more tweaking. Just leave Hyman on that line. That's your that's your best line right now. And there's no reason, uh, I don't think, to move Hyman off of there for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, it just it gets heavy going from here on in. And with all due respect to the others, I mean, that's your man. He's he's the guy who's going to be able to take that on and, and still create space for the other two. And that's really the job function, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I think that Galchenyuk, you know, he, he, he is, is a bit like Hyman. And Simmons is a bit like Hyman in that uh, they they both are they're good four checkers and they're guys who can dig those pucks out. And even Joe Thornton is is that guy. So it's like when you look at who they have on each line, they have a Hyman of sorts on every line, like the guy who who can do the work. And uh, you know, it's there's no one quite like him, but you get that balance, right? And then when you, when you try to put even. But Hyman's still the best at it, so, so you sh- he should be on your top line with your best players. Have that like I thought that they were very good tonight, the three of them. Uh, I thought that Hyman, you know, he, he there's just so many things he does well, and and I know we have talked about him a lot this year, uh, and deservedly so. But you can go down the laundry list of things that he does so well. But I just he knows Matthews especially well because they played together since they were rookies, and and he just knows where Matthews is going to be. They have good chemistry. It's very easy. It it looks easy when it's with Hyman, whereas every other player that they've kind of had rotating there, whether it's been Thornton, whether it's been Simmons, it doesn't look as seamless. There's still that little that little hitch where they just don't know as instinctively as Hyman does where those guys want to be. And Galchenyuk seems to have picked that right up with Tavares and Nylander. Seems to know you know what he wants to do for those to set those guys up. That's great. I, th- I like the Kerfoot line with Spezza and Thornton. I think that they're humming along pretty well. Spezza had a bit of a, you know, he was giving the puck away a lot tonight. It was a bit of an off one for him. And then that fourth line, uh, I think you're going to get some, uh, you know, some decent uh, shifts out of them as well. So I think Hyman's in a good spot, and, and Keith could probably uh, just, just, even though it wasn't the result they wanted tonight, he could stand to just let everything marinate where it is and see where they go from here as opposed to trying to put everyone back in the blender again for Wednesday. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Hyman's the long-term man. Uh, you know, you saw a double shift at times tonight, and he's never going to hurt the team defensively. He's only going to make a positive contribution. And in the summer, they're going to have to dig deep and re-sign him somehow. They're going to have to do that, and they may have to move his salary up. But, I mean, he's he's a mainstay. He's one of your core players, and I don't like to play him. They like to play him down in the lineup, but the fact is – uh, you know, this summer when you pay him, he's in your top six, so he might as well be there now. Uh, the Galchenyuk situation I find really intriguing. And, and I was, as you were talking there, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, he was that high draft pick. Uh, the, the comparable that I come up with is, is Dan, Daniel Cleary uh, with Detroit. It was a first-round pick with Chicago and really kicked around for about eight years until he got to Detroit and uh, had struggled, and, and they finally found a role for him. And I, I believe you could apply some of that to Galchenyuk in that uh, on that line, uh, you know, here's your job, do it, as opposed to, you know, when he broke in with Montreal, what do I do, everything? And some of the other places he got kicked around to, still expected to be not not a franchise player but a core player. And here, because of the, the structure of that line, it's we need you to do this, Then he's more than capable of that, isn't he? 
Yeah, uh, 100% he is. And, and t to me, what stands out even more, if you even back up a little bit to when they first acquired him uh, in that trade at the end of February, I mean, this was not a, a churn and burn situation. It wasn't like they were saying, you've got to come in, get in the lineup, perform your first game, your first second game, and if you can't, then you're going to be riding the bench and, and we're done. And it's felt like that's what Galchenyuk's kind of been through the last few seasons, is that he's gone to these places, these teams, he's tried to perform, he's tried to find a rhythm, and it hasn't worked. And the Leafs, to their credit, were able to identify that and then say, okay, we're going to have you work with our development staff first. We're going to have real honest conversations with you about this is what we think you can bring here. This is what we want you to do. We're going to have that conversation weeks before you actually play so that you have time to wrap your head around that and to understand that this is what we want from you and to work with the skills people on the specifics of what we want. And then you're going to go to the American Hockey League for the first time in your career. You're going to go there because we want you to feel confident before you step back into an NHL game so that you're not just panicked about, okay, well, how do I perform immediately in a system I don't know, with teammates I don't know, that I'm not comfortable with, and then you feel like a failure before you even get off the ground. And so the Leafs taking the time that they did with him, I think is what you're seeing on the ice. It's paying off. He got a chance to get to know some of these guys before he was playing with them. He mentioned seeing William Nylander ahead of time, worked with Austin Matthews in the summer before the trade, obviously. So there's a comfortability there. There's a Jack Campbell talked about working with him and, and how great it was just to connect with, uh, with one another when they were both, uh, when Campbell was rehabbing and, uh, of course, Galchenyuk when he first got here. So that's what I see on the ice, is that this is a guy who understands it's not just that you have an opportunity here, but this team genuinely wants you to be successful. Because they, if they just wanted a guy to slot in, they would have put him in game one. And just as soon as they got him and been like, okay, do your best. But that's not, they saw something bigger for him. And I think that's the hard work that you see in Galchenyuk's game is, is it means something to a player who's been through what he's been through, who's struggled the way that he has, that a, one of the best teams in the NHL is saying, not only do we see something in you, but we're willing to play that long game a little bit and give you some runway to get comfortable and confident. And so when he's on the ice, it's, you know, he really is one of the hardest workers. You see the way he's digging pucks out. You see the way he forechecks. You see the drive, the urgency, the intensity. And he's not just trying to score for himself. He wants to set up for Tavares and Nylander too. So he's not a selfish player. He's bringing the physicality. He's bringing all those elements that you have seen from him in the past. But I think that there's a certain, um, I don't want to say a loyalty necessarily, but it's just there's, I think that when a player feels comfortable with the role that he's been given and he has time to acclimate, it really does make a difference in how he performs. Yep, totally agree with that. Mitch Marta got his 13th goal of the season uh, in the first period, 7.59 in. Here he is post game. Hey, Mitch. Um... Uh, just your your thoughts on the game tonight, how you guys played. It's always close against these guys. Uh, yeah, I thought we played pretty well. Um, I think in the second we kind of got away from our game a little bit. Um, and then kind of started the third. Uh, we weren't doing our four check-in. We weren't working. Um, they made us pay. Um, I thought uh, we got kind of back to focus and back to our four check and had a couple good opportunities there late in the third that just didn't drop for us. But um you know, I think uh, we just got to make sure we're, we're staying dialed in and staying ready for the whole 60. 
And the, the goal you scored, you showed remarkable patience there in the slot, just holding on to that puck. Can you kind of walk us through what was going on in your head there? Um, yeah, I kind of last game against these guys, uh, kind of had a similar spot. I'm a little close to the net, tried to do the kind of the same thing, but um, he got a poke check on me, so this time um, I knew uh, whoever that was driving back door, I think it was maybe Matt's. Um, so I, th I thought I had time. Um, I knew I was past the first D-man, and the second one was occupied with Tony, so um, tried to kind of just make a move to the far side, and uh, lucky enough, I did and went in. Thanks. <clears throat> Next up, we'll go to Mark Masters. TSN, go ahead, Mark. Mitch, what did you guys do well to limit the McDavid dry saddle line tonight? Um, staying above them, um, using our speed. I think, uh, you know, I, I think we did a good job of, of trying to cut them off quickly when they got in our zone with their cycling and their kind of motion. Um, I think uh, staying above them and when we were coming out of their zone, we are doing a really good job of that, staying with their speed. And uh, in our zone, when we were breaking out with the puck in our hands, um, Thought we were really talking, doing well with that, and, and getting the puck over zone quickly. What's standing out to you about the Muzzin Hall <clears throat> defensive pairing when when they're clicking? Um, well, I think it's all five. Um, they're both pretty vocal guys, um, talking a lot on the ice, so pretty good direction, um, telling you kind of where to go and helping you out. And then when we're out there with them, I think all five of us are constantly talking to each other, screaming at each other where we are, where we're at, um, trying to make it easy as the other as easy as possible for the other guy to make a play and. Uh, I think me, Tony, um, Jaime, or Jumbo, if they're with us, uh, with those two, we got some pretty good chemistry out there, especially in our own zones, getting the puck in our hands and breaking out cleanly. The last one here, we'll go to Lance Hornby, Johnson. Go ahead, Lance. Mitch, it doesn't get any easier heading uh, to Winnipeg. Uh, what do you expect from that series? Uh, Hard-fought battle. Um, very good offensive team. Uh, been playing very good hockey, so we got to make sure we come ready to play. Um, it's not going to be a, um, an easy series, so we got to make sure we come, like I said, ready for every game um, and expect their best. Mitch Marder post game, and while I was listening to that, I went through all my scores. The Leafs were actually six one and two, not the other way around. Six one and two against the Edmonton Oilers in nine games. Now that's impressive. Three two in overtime tonight for the Oilers. This is Leafs game night, TSN ten fifty in the Leafs radio network. Played back to the blue line. Larson with a shot. That went high and wide. Oh, no! It's deflected into the net. Off the stick of Kyle Churis to tie the game in twos. I'm not so sure it was off the stick. I think it might have been off the right hip. It was deflected in by Turris. I think it went off his knee. 120 into period number three. A bad omen. Tied it at two. Edmonton wins it 3-2 in overtime. Jim Taddy, Kristen Shelton with you. Final segment on the postgame show. And just as a like a general topic here, um, and I talked with you about this earlier, and I talked to Ralphie about it. Uh, when I look at that forward unit, those 12 forwards, I know that there was a lot of speculation about moving one of them out to uh, make a trade. I wouldn't move any of those guys out. I would try to add to it, and that's a change in tune over the last week or so, just because now that everybody's healthy, you can see the, the different variations that they can play with. And, and I like that flexibility. It's pretty impressive. 
the depth is is really starting to shine i think for this group and as you say when everyone's back and and wayne simmons has been really tough on himself i think he was tough on himself again tonight post game just saying that he's got to be better and so yeah everybody's healthy but if there is even more that they can get out of some of these guys that makes them even more dangerous as a group and i agree if if you didn't have to move anyone uh, I wouldn't like you wouldn't want to move someone just for the sake of doing it just to swap one body for another I don't think that uh, unless you truly believe that the player you were getting was going to be the difference between a cup run and, and not uh, but when you get to that point where everyone's kind of driving and it seems like it's working you don't want to disrupt the chemistry if you don't have to so it's a nice situation I think for Kyle Dubas to be in if there isn't a pressure to get anything done but if you can improve your team it's like a bonus because what you have right now is already looking better and better by the game yeah and just to, to sort of wrap that up uh, I would go after a defenseman that's that's not an easy ask though at the deadline that that's precarious and it has to be the right guy who understands he's not going to be playing all the time because the six they have are pretty good yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the Leafs, they, you know, it's, it is tough to get defensemen at the best of times. It's tough to get them at the deadline when, uh, when there's so much, uh, so much for so many teams at stake. And, and if you are in, in the mix to get a D-man, it's usually uh, against some fierce competition from other teams who are trying to do the same thing. So I think the Leafs like who they have in the wings. I think that they like Rosen and Marincin and Sandine. We saw Skating again today. He's on his way back. They have some options on D, more, probably more so than they do uh, at forwards. So it would be great to add uh, a piece, but at the same time, it's sort of the same as with the forward group, where if you can't do it, you've already got uh, you know some depth that you like. Uh, it's just the question is, is it good enough to get you where you want to go? And it's it's one thing to have players. It's another thing to have the best possible players that you can have based on all the various, uh, you know, the constraints that they have with the cap. So it'll be interesting. But it, again, it does take some of the pressure off of Dubas to know he doesn't absolutely have to get something done in order for this to continue to be a good team. Yep, well said. Uh, so Edmonton wins it 3-2 in overtime. Let's close it off with the postgame comments from Sheldon Keith. Sheldon, first of all, talk about how Hutchinson played tonight. I thought he played well. He did his job. did his job for us. Kept us, uh, kept them at two goals. You know, when when uh, we kept keeping the two goals, you know, through through regulation, that's that's enough for you to be able to win a game. And we just, you know, we, we couldn't get that third goal that we needed. Uh, and a follow up, uh, heading to Winnipeg. Uh, how big was the the last two games you played in, in terms of going in there and uh, trying to protect that first seed? I think, you know, at different times in, in the games that we played against Edmonton this season, I think really have been the model of what we're capable of as a team. I think in these last two games against Edmonton here, we haven't, we haven't done it uh, quite, you know, for three periods. I thought both games, the second periods uh, were issues for us tonight again here. I thought that that second period really wore us down tonight. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of uh, legs after that. But certainly the way that we focused in uh, and and defended, <clears throat> I thought we did a good job here again tonight, you know, against their best people. Obviously, that's important. I mean, you're going up against the, <clears throat> you know, the deepest, uh, the deepest opponent and we're going to, you know, that we face in our division in terms of the forward lines and the depth that they have. Uh, so we've got to have that level of focus 
you know, every shift. So uh, I think that's that's something for us to take away for sure. But we've we've shown what we're capable of. Next up, we'll go to Chris Johnson, Sportsnet. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Sheldon, just wondering what you liked defensively when it was going well against their top guys tonight. Well, I just thought we didn't give them very much room. I thought the neutral zone was uh, was real tough for them. I thought we forced them to dump a lot of pucks, uh, forced them to play a lot on the forecheck, which is, you know, that's obviously they could do that too, but that takes away a lot of the strength of their game, which is playing on the rush or playing in transition and playing with the puck on their stick. So I thought we did, we did a really good job of that throughout. And, uh, you know, for the most part, the Matthews line had that matchup, but uh, we didn't, I didn't want to disrupt our flow too much with it. So we had other lines. I think each of our other lines really had some time against them, and everybody did a good job. We'll go to Jonas Siegel, the athletic. Go ahead, Jonas. Hey, Sheldon, is there something in particular you appreciate uh, in regards to the job Jake and, and Justin do against those top guys? Yeah, they I mean they they defend them well. Um, defend them well. They got good sticks. They play them hard. Uh, I think they really get excited about the chance to play against them. Uh, and yeah, certainly there's a lot to be said for the job those guys do. Like you know, Riley and Brody also you know get tasked with that at times. You need more than just one pair because they play so much, and uh, just the nature of the game, line changes and such. Uh, but then I also think. You know, it's difficult. It's difficult to just have the D worried about it. If if you allow their best people to play in isolation and play in one-on-one situations too much, it's it's a real it's a real challenge. So I just like that our forwards insulated the defense and helped everybody out really well. Next up, we'll go to David Alter, the Hockey News. Go ahead, David. Hey, Sheldon. Just wondering if you have an update on Campbell and Anderson as you guys uh, depart for the road trip here. Uh, no update on Anderson here yet. Um, I'll let you guys know when, when I have that and we have a little more clarity with it. Uh, and uh, Campbell, you know, I think works. You know, we're expecting with a, with another day here today. Um, you know that he should be he should be okay uh, for us to play next week. And last one here, we'll go to Kevin McGrand, Toronto Star. Go ahead, Kevin. Sheldon, how do you uh, sort of bottle what it is you do against the Oilers and, and bring it forward the rest of the season? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think we just—I mean, we do what we've done. We just talk about it, and show it. Um, obviously, we've got a—you a, know—not in every game that we played them this season. Not in, not on every shift. When we played them against our best guys, have we done the job we want to do? And when you don't do it, you look real bad, real quick. Um, and that in itself kind of shocks the system and, and gets you dialed in and focused on it. Um, and I think the last time we played Winnipeg, it was pretty similar. You know, with their, the talent and the skill level that they have, if if you aren't good shift to shift, if you break your structure, if you, if you turn the puck over in bad spots, their transition is as good as anybody, and it's not, you know, it's not just one line. It's it's uh, you know, two lines of high-end skill and uh, a third line that is as good a checking and grinding line and right now maybe is playing as their best line. So it, it's it's great challenge uh, there. Uh, so I think it uh, should be easy for us in terms of level of respect we have for the opponent. 
to bring us same the same level of focus, you know. But uh, same time, we still got to look to get better too. I mean, you know, it's two games against them we, we failed to win in regulation, so you know, that's not going to cut it. So Edmonton wins a three-two over the Leafs in overtime in nine games. As I said earlier, six-one and two, the Leafs with only one regulation loss against Edmonton in the nine games, and that was the first time they played. That's impressive. I know you want to know this. Buffalo was up 3 nothing over Philadelphia after 40 minutes of play, and the answer is no guy. Philadelphia wins 4-3 in overtime over the Sabres. That drought continues. Thanks for joining us on Leafs Game Night, TSN 1050, and good night to the Leafs Radio Network. <laughs>